Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 661, air date June 24th, 2020. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Sorry for the uh, delay. We're just getting ready on a couple of things. But um, today I want to really speak about copper. A number of you, by the way, um, all of you out there, you've been giving me great ideas on other kinds of topics I can do on the medical side uh, or on the molecular systems biology side. What I'm gonna do is around 11 to 12, I'm gonna try to always do it around probably 11.45 or 12, is I will give a talk on some aspect of biological function related to the immune system or some uh, area of biology like cancer or Alzheimer's or brain health or joint health and how particular ingredients affect that. So what I'm doing as a public service is, as you know, I created a very powerful technology, almost like the printing press or like email, what I did when I was many years ago. But Cytosol is a powerful technology where I can uh, do analysis. And that analysis, we're just going to do it as a public service because I think um, because of so much uh, confusion that's out there, the fact that traditional academia is so influenced by big pharma, that they don't really do research. The amazing thing is I have this tool, Cytosol, that came out of my MIT PhD work. So I'm gonna start, uh, by the way, uh, we have a lot of people uh, coming in from Croatia, from Illinois, from Thailand, Sydney, Cape Verde. Let me just say hello to people. Uh, Dallas, Texas, Rockford, Illinois. Uh, who else? Uh, Canada, great to have you. Um, California, uh, let's see, who else? Tex, South Texas, uh, Diane Lyons is there. Hey, Diane, how are you? Uh, Thailand, Sydney, Australia, et cetera. So anyway, thanks for all of you joining us and keep coming in, Houston, UK, Edinburgh, uh, Texas, India. But what I wanna do is as a public service because of so much, you know, I, I literally try to go through all the emails. It's clear everyone is really uh, enjoying and, and, and finding value from the videos that I started doing on uh, the biology side because of the unique approach we have with Cytosol where we can take a lot of information which I'll talk about congeal it and really become the scientific source of truth. So basically on uh, the 11 to 12 this period I'll be doing at least one video during this period about an ingredient and how it affects a particular biological function. Some of you asked about metformin. Some of you can even request hey uh, a friend of mine's taking this drug for cardiovascular disease. What are the effects of it? What, what it will do? So you can email me at vashiva at vashiva.com. V is in Victor, A is in Apple, Shiva, and give me your ideas. But typically look at a particular ingredient and how it affects a biological function. And I'll be doing that regularly to create a way for all of you to uh, arm you, first of all, with real knowledge. Remember, what we're doing is we're taking lots of information using the Cytosoft technology to go down to the molecular systems level uh, to bring the scientific source of truth based on the science that's occurring today in an objective way versus what academics do because they're pay to play science, et cetera. But today we're gonna be going over copper, the effect of copper on viruses, bacteria, and fungi, how it actually works. So that's what I wanna share with you today. Copper is a very interesting mineral um, that will, uh, uh, a, I'm sorry, it's a, a metal that we'll talk about and, 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 and its effects um, and how you, how it's been used through many, many thousands of years in modern times to really disinfect and knock out viruses and bacteria. That's what we're gonna talk about. 
Many of you also know that, you know, I take a systems approach to doing everything. Um, our campaign, I'm running for United States Senate in Massachusetts. I've also talked about the political system. Massachusetts, it's the center where all the big pharma medical environment is. It's a center of quote unquote public health. Uh, Harvard Law School is here. Uh, Harvard Medical School is here. Harvard School of Education. In many ways, less than a mile away from where I'm living, right in Cambridge here, it's really the center of the quote unquote intelligentsia who are used to control flow of information. And um, my running for US Senate, as many of you know, is about busting that up because I feel for far too long what's happened in the world, a finite set of people are controlling truth, freedom and health for power, profit and control. So our campaign for Senate, everyone should check it out. It's, uh, you can go to shivaforsenate.com and it's really about showing that we need freedom to, to do real science, to get to truth and from truth we can get to identify real problems and real solutions and that's how we get to find what's really healthy for us and with healthy, strong bodies and strong infrastructure, we can fight for truth. So I encourage everyone to go to our website if you're in the United States, Shiva for Senate, support the campaign. You can donate or you can volunteer. All Anyone who donates or volunteers to our campaign, I wanna arm you with information. So one of the tools that I've created, because I don't just like taking other people's money, lawyers and politicians like doing that. It doesn't feel right to me, but when you donate to our campaign, I give you a really cool book called System and Revolution that really teaches you the dynamics and the science of all systems, your body, your computer, a thermostat, everything. And what is revolution? So it's take about two hours to read, it's ebook. Um, and then you can also get access to this very powerful software tool that I wrote called Your Body, Your System. It's a piece of software that applies those principles to your body as a system. And that's uh, what you can do. You can also volunteer for the campaign right here on the site. Um, but those of you, by the way, if you're outside of the United States, you can directly go to your body, your system, and you can get it directly. Um, on your body, your system, on this site, it literally is a very powerful software tool. When you get access to the portal, you can answer a set of questions that will understand how your body is a particular kind of system denoted by this red dot right here, if everyone sees that. And then you can also then understand how your body can go off kilter, just like any other system in the universe. Um, that's the that's the black dot. And then how through eating the uh, or changing the inputs to your system, food, supplements, exercise, you can bring the black dot back to the red dot. And by the way, every system is personalized, right? Your system may be different than others. That's why one size does not fit all. It's called personalized medicine. That's why telling everyone to take the same drug, telling everyone to take the same vaccines doesn't make any sense from a scientific standpoint, yet that is what the establishment does because they're all about making money, money, money. They don't care about real health. They care about power, profit, and control. But I wanted to give you these tools so you could take a systems approach to life, a systems approach to your body, and for that matter, anything. All right, so let's start with the slides today. Let me see if there's any other question. Uh, thank you, Shiva, for Senate. Uh, yeah, so by the way, any one of you, if you're outside of the United States, let your friends know in America, let your friends know in Massachusetts that, that, that one of you is running for Senate. One of you, not one of them. Let, if you're in Massachusetts, please um, go sign up to pledge uh, to vote. Go get online, get the tools, volunteer. This is a movement for truth, freedom, and health. And as a part of that, you know, I'm walking the walk. I'm not waiting until I become a senator to help you every day. I'll be doing videos, educational videos to help you to get truth, freedom, and health. So let's 
um, go right into our today's uh, lecture. And let me go right here. So um, by the way, people can also go to my personal website, vashiva.com. I have blogs, I have stories, but one of my slogans is creating the future. And if you go to that website right on the top, you'll see all the details of my invention of email. You'll realize how Wikipedia is basically a bunch of racists who lie, who do not want to give credit to the right person because they actually want to pit blacks against whites. They do not want to give credit where it's due and they think they're going to own it. No one should donate to them, but you can go read about the invention of email. You can go to Shiva for Senate. Um, but the other activity I do, I run, you know, uh, Cytosoft. It's a very powerful engine and you can go check it out, but it's an engine that came out of my PhD work. But today we're going to focus on the power of copper to destroy viruses, bacteria, fungi on contact. And we're going to talk about when copper really strikes uh, a virus on contact, how it actually disinfects more powerful. You're going to find than ethanol or a Clorox bleach um, and how it's been used for many, many, many years. Okay. So let's go back here. So, um, but it's really about the power of copper. So I'm going to walk you through what is copper, how it works. And then we're going to look at a couple of examples. So how do I put this information together? As you know, the technology I created Cytosol, which was my PhD work, is basically, uh, it's like a printing press. It's like a, a tool. It's, a, it's like a rocket engine, okay? But it's really a breakthrough technology for modeling different biological functions on the computer. And we're actually using it to discover how natural products interact together, how multiple ingredients can cause toxicity, uh, how drugs can hurt you, how GMOs can affect you. We've used it for a whole bunch of applications a very powerful technology, but it came out of my original, uh, the problem I was looking at when I was a graduate student was how pharmaceutical companies were actually creating drugs. The way they do it is they start with a new compound, then they test on uh, what's called in vitro in a test tube. So let's say you're a researcher at someone like a place like Harvard, you find some molecule that you think destroys cancer. Well, you'll grow the cancer cells in a test tube, then you'll test it there in vitro. If you think it works there, or you have data, then you'll go to in vivo, you'll raise money to test it on animals and unfortunately kill animals. And if you make it through this process, then before you can go to what's called clinical research, that's what this big blue box here is, phase one, phase two, phase three. Phase one is small sets of humans, larger sets of humans, and large populations in phase three. You typically have to go to the FDA and they have to give you allowance to go to human trials. Now, here's the interesting thing. 20% and only 20% entering phase one are successful, which means a lot of the research here up front was faulty. It takes about $5 billion, 13 years to make it through this process. They can't handle personalization. They can only handle at best a single molecule, sometimes a few others, but by and large, this was created for handling single molecules. Now, what's interesting with pharmaceutical world is they're actually failing. It's not actually working, interestingly enough. As you can see from this graph here, the blue, uh, graph here says year over year, they spend more, more, more money on R&D investments. That's the bars. And guess what? The FDA even is not allowing uh, new molecules to come out. As you can see, even here in this graph right here, you'll see the same phenomenon, what's going on here. Okay. The, right here. Okay. Uh, same thing here, orange curve, more and more R&D spending, less and less new drugs are being approved. This is a reality what's going on. Why is this happening? is because the entire process is screwed up. They're, the, the process of in vitro and in vivo testing, they're sort of shooting in the dark. So when I looked at this problem, I realized there was a serious problem 
And I wanted to figure out a better way to do it in some ways to really figure out how natural products work. So I believed you needed to take a systems approach to medicine. Again, this is why I can't overemphasize why I'm on this really important mission to teach everyone to take a systems approach to your life, politics, everything. That's why, um, you know, when you go to understand our campaign, that is what it's really about. So let's take, uh, what is a systems approach and where did that come from? Um, in 1993, what was occurring was people decided we wanted to sequence the genome. The theory there was that, you know, a gene causes a particular disease. If you have this gene, you're going to get this disease. They said, well, let's go figure out all the genes in the human genome because then we can target and figure out disease and do what was called gene therapy. Well, in 1992, 1990, they thought we had about 100,000 genes. We knew a worm had only 20,000 genes. Well, look what happens. By the time 2004 comes, it turns out we only have 20,000 genes. So this flipped biology on its heads. People said, oh my God, it's not the genes that cause disease. It's much more of a systems approach. In fact, it led to a field called epigenetics where people started to realize food, thoughts, chemicals can turn on and turn off genes. So, so this led to a field called systems biology in 2003 saying if you want to understand the whole human being, you have to understand the genes, the proteins, all different things. And in fact, in 2003, I came back to MIT. I was 40 years old. I was running a very successful company called EchoMail, but because of my interest in medicine, and one of the challenges was that the National Science Foundation put was, could you mathematically model the whole human cell? Imagine if you could model the entire human cell on the computer, all the chemical reactions in it. What this would mean is, that you could literally then understand all the chemical reactions. And based on that understanding, you could then figure out what combinations of compounds work long before you killed animals, long before you even did test tube testing. So this was really cool. And for me, because of my interest in natural medicine, I was very excited. And by the way, this is what a little molecular pathway looks like. Let me just zoom in on here. So one of these molecular pathways is A reacts with B to get C. This is called a molecular pathway. And you can, if you read the literature, you'll find lots and lots of these little ball and stick diagrams. These little ball and stick diagrams could become mathematical models as I'm showing here on the right. So the issue is, could you integrate systems of systems of models? Because if we could do that, then we could model disease on the computer. Now, in 2003, people thought this was impossible. A lot of professors at MIT thought this was impossible. Uh, and I've gone through this before when I was 14 years old. The, a, a lot of people thought creating email was impossible, but I like those kinds of problems. People think winning in Massachusetts against a deep state is impossible. But anyway, I did the impossible. I literally created a way to mathematically model the human cell. And that was cytosol. So this, if this outer circle represents different, the cell or a disease, think about it as composed of different pieces of molecular reactions. Instead of trying to solve the whole thing to, too difficult. We split it into small problems and I created a computing infrastructure for my PhD work to do that. That was Cytosol. Published a paper on it and then we went and proved it. You can go read about it. But what coming back to pharma, this is a process pharmaceutical process takes. This is why only they can handle single molecules. And when it comes to vaccines, they can't even do that. They don't even have to follow this regulatory process. But what I realized that what I'd done with Cytosol was created an ability not only to handle a single compound, but multiple compounds. 
And, and I could do it way before in vitro testing, I'm showing here, way before animal testing to figure out if things worked or not. And this is how we build airplanes, by the way. We don't just throw a pilot in and say, gee whiz, he died. You know, the aircraft wing design was wrong. We test it all on the computer as you're seeing here. Everything is done here long before we do wind tunnel testing. So we throw away all of our mistakes early on. And that's what Cytosolve allows us to do. So the other thing that's important Cytosolve is we've created a whole way to go after every disease, every molecular pathway. That's why all of you listening, if you have an individual ingredient, you know, um, it's hard for me to do combinations quickly, but if you have an individual, I mean, we do that as a whole service offering, but if you have an ingredient, you say, hey, what does vitamin C do for immune health? What is vitamin D? I can do short videos for everyone and educate. And that's one of my missions. Every day from now until whenever, at around 12, we're gonna be running things through Cytosoft. So give your ideas and that's a public service. And so what we have the ability to do is we can take all of these papers, run them through Cytosoft, extract out the mechanisms, integrate them, and then find out if it works or not based on the known science. So no one can say we're making up anything. So let's go to virus infections. Um, many of you know that I've, I like to review uh, what happens when a virus infects. With all this coronavirus fear-mongering nonsense, my goal here is to educate you that you can boost your immune system. You can do things in natural ways versus waiting for the vaccine or masks, which frankly don't do a lot. In fact, they can hurt you. Um, but what can we do in natural ways to support the immune system, support your home, support your children, support your families? That's what we wanna really look at, okay? So let's go to this. So here we go. So when a virus infection takes place, there are four aspects when the virus comes at you. First, it tries to enter your cell, virus entry, tries to get in. Then it tries to use your own cell's machinery, your own cell's Xerox machine to replicate itself. It tries to replicate its blueprint called the RNA. And then it tries to reassemble itself inside your cell and then it tries to take itself out. And a way of looking at it is this diagram here. This is, for example, the COVID-19 pathogenesis. The virus comes in, it tries to go in, virus entry, replicate itself, reassemble and transport. So let's look at it a little bit closer. This is when the virus tries to get in. Here's a virus, it's got these spike proteins, which literally are like a lock and key. They stick in and they don't really turn, but it's a process called glycosylation. And that's what allows the virus to get in. That's one of the steps. Then, the second part of it is it comes in and it takes over. Remember, it's got its blueprint in there, that green squiggle. It tries to replicate itself using your own cell Xerox machine. And how does it do that? Well, it literally takes that green RNA, uses your ribosome machinery and starts replicating itself. I hope that's clear. So it's like a thief coming into your home and replicating itself, okay? That's what's going on there. Then if we go here, the next thing that it tries to do after it replicates itself is the piece right here, it tries to assemble itself. So now it's reassembling viruses. It, it puts the replicated RNA into its packaging. And then the last step it tries to do, it transports itself out right here. Okay, so that's the four step process. So if you step back and you think of these nutrients you can take, these supplements you can take, um, uh, or just having good relationships with people, boosting your immune system. What your body does, it creates antimicrobials, good relationships, love in your life. You know what it does? It reduces inflammatory compounds so your body doesn't overreact. 
and it produces antimicrobials. When you get vitamin D coming in from the sun or you take the supplement, it creates antimicrobials. Vitamin C modulates the immune reaction. Vitamin uh, or, or things like uh, vitamin A support the building of things around your cell wall so the virus has a hard time even getting in. Iodine supports your thyroid to making sure your body produces proper vitamin A and zinc zaps the, vita, uh, the, the virus replication process. By the way, all of this is well-documented. What's amazing is is freaking doctors like Fauci do not speak about this. What they do speak about all day long is vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. And once in a while, they'll say something, okay? So um, willow bark is uh, good. I disagree about aspirin. Okay, people are having interesting discussions. So let's go back here. So if you go here, what we wanna now look at is copper. Now, copper is very interesting because, first of all, if you look in the periodic table, it's what, what's known as a transition me uh, metal, and it's essential for growth and development of organisms ranging from bacteria to mammals. So, it, you know, we need trace uh, amounts of copper. It's healthy for us. It's also been used in Eastern culture. Some of you from India will probably no notice this, or if you've been to a yoga place, many of or if you go to some Indian homes, they'll have this copper vessel and they'll have, you typically are supposed to drink the morning water after you've let it settle in the copper. And it's used in Eastern cultures for thousands of years for drinking water because of its antimicrobial properties. So many Indian homes, you'll find this little copper vessel. People put water into it the night before and they'll drink that because frankly, the, uh, there's potential areas where you'll have low dosage of carb, uh, copper that are good, very low. But more importantly, it's an antimicrobial. It cleanses the water, okay? On contact, it kills bacteria. That's one of the important reasons people in traditional cultures use copper. Now, you notice some facilities, right? The EPA, for example, even the Environmental Protection Agency, part of the establishment has recognized that copper is a first metallic antimicrobial. So people put it on surfaces like doorknobs, and it's shown to kill yeast, bacteria, viruses on contact. It's called there's a surface chemistry, chemistry to it, which we're gonna cover. So basically in this case, when if you had, you know, bacteria virus on your hand and you touch that copper and you leave it there, the copper element will actually kill those bacteria on contact, very powerful, okay? So how does this do this? And how does all this work? Well, let's look at copper. It's the, uh, if you look at the 29th uh, 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 element on the periodic table. Its atomic weight is 63.546. And you can look at the literature. I have some references here. It's, it's been shown to be highly effective against killing microorganisms, be bacteria, right? There's a whole range of, a range of them, as you can see here, from salmonella to MRSA, staphylococcus, a vulgaris, um, viruses, influenza, H1N1, coronavirus 2, uh, 29E, adenovirus, HIV, monkeypox, vaccine virus, uh, fungi, candida, asparagus, etc. So copper, this is documented. This is not sort of fringe science. It's not new age science. It's not someone just making this up. Copper is very well documented for doing this kind of um, antimicrobial. Um, how does this work? So I want to, uh, I don't want to get too much into the chemistry, but let me just explain this to you. Um, there's things that are called oxidative species, reactive oxidative species, ROS, ROS, reactive oxidative species, okay, ROS. Reactive oxidative species are very harmful. Uh, if you are under stress, if you are under pollution, 
emotional stress, these kinds of things. Your body will actually, uh, plants when they're undergoing drought will create more reactive oxidative species under stress. So your body at the chemical level um, creates reactive oxygen species. You know, for example, OH radicals are reactive oxygen species. H2O2 hydrogen peroxide gives rise to this. So they're very good for killing things, right? So if you, for example, sodium hydroxide, right? Bleach can kill stuff, especially if you have the OH radical group, all right? When it forms into that form or H2O2. But reactive oxygen species can be very damaging to you. In yesterday or day before yesterday's lecture, I talked about glutathione, which is something that actually eats up reactive oxygen species, okay? So what happens is copper actually creates reactive oxygen species on contact and those reactive oxygen species are damaging to the viruses, are damaging to bacteria and fungi. So in many ways, copper is doing an inverse role. Because of the structure of the copper atom, it's able to create reactive oxygen species. It's able to actually give electrons, okay? And uh, create oxidative uh, stress, create re reactive oxidative species. So what you're seeing in this diagram right here is a chemical equation here. So you have copper starting here. It goes through a series of reactions and it generates two particular reactive oxygen species, H2O2, hydrogen peroxide, and OH ions, okay? OH free radicals. So copper at the end of the day creates reactive oxygen species. And what they do is, so here on contact, you're seeing the copper plate here. On contact, it causes uh, genetic toxicity in the bacteria, damaging the DNA of the bacteria. And that DNA damage leads to rapid DNA fragmentation and the, and the death of the bacteria, okay? So what you're seeing is through a series of chemical processes, because of the nature of copper, it literally creates H2O2. You know, obviously it's gotta be in a, in a um, uh, aqueous solution, right? Because the bacteria have some water in them and it, it creates OH uh, radicals, okay? I hope this is clear. Let me see if there's any questions here, people following along. All right, good. Um, now, the next thing that we're seeing here Copper also, um, the ions here within minutes, okay, to hours after the microbial exposure, the copper ions literally go, and in, in addition to the free radicals going and destroying the DNA inside the bacteria, the way they get in is that these free radicals actually dissolve the cell walls of the bacteria. If you remember, when I did the vitamin D video, I talked about catholicidins. When vitamin, when you get vitamin D, your body creates catholicidins. I'm sorry, when you get UVB radiation, your body creates vitamin D and the vitamin D creates a molecule called catholicidins, which blow up the walls of the bacteria. Well, here, in this case, copper, copper in contact with the bacteria creates those reactive oxygen species and those reactive oxygen species literally blow up the cell walls of the bacteria. They cause them to rupture and lice and then the reactive oxygen species further get in, they cause DNA damage, okay? Very powerful what copper can do. Now, um, I wanna show here that copper also, by its contact, there's three things it does. It destroys, uh, it's antiviral, it's antibacterial, and it's anti-yeast. So for example, things like candida. So as you're seeing here, what copper is actually doing, the copper um, element, with what's called contact, with, with the contact, with the surface contact chemistry, as I just talked about, 
the reactive oxygen species in the case on this left diagram here, get in and they destroy the viral protein and I'll, uh, within the viruses, the replication. So it stops DNA replication. It also destroys the cell wall as you're noticing here, okay, in bacteria. And in the case of yeast, it actually, the reactive oxygen species actually goes here and it destroys the DNA and it stops the bacteria from literally breathing, quote unquote, respiration, okay? So those are the three ways the copper affects because of its oxidative capabilities in viruses, in, in bacteria, and in yeast, all right? Next, here what I wanna talk about here is the antiviral. We're talking about COVID, we're talking about all these viruses. What, what you're seeing here is what copper actually does here, as you can see, in this diagram here, looking at it closer when it comes to viruses. So the alloys, um, particularly uh, when you're looking at copper alloys, they don't need to be pure copper. In fact, what works better is we have copper alloys, like copper, an alloy is a copper mixed with another metal. And that is very powerful against antivirals. So copper uh, degrades the viral proteins by creating an oxidative stress environment, ROS. And that degradation of viral proteins leads to halt in the viral replication, right? Remember, we talked about how the virus gets in and it's starting to replicate itself. So copper enables the creation of those ROS species, which stop that viral replication. Um, Antifungal nature, okay? Things like candida, fungus. So copper, this is very interesting. So if you look at surfaces, so if you had a surface, imagine you had a table, imagine you had a table in your home or a bowl, right? Or those water drinking vessels or the doorknobs. If they're made of copper, what you can see right here is that copper surfaces are found to be more efficient than 70% ethanol and 1% bleach solution against microbes, right? So it's just through contact activation, very powerful. And, and again, it's because the copper produces those reactive oxygen species. I think after this talk, everyone's gonna be able to impress your friends and your family with reactive oxygen species. And copper causes also, not only does it lyse the cells, but it also, I mean, lyse the wall, but it also causes genetic uh, uh, toxicity uh, of the genome of the, uh, of the fungi, which, which blows up the DNA, which stops it from respiring, okay? So that DNA damage within the fungi leads to DNA fragmentation and to the fungal cell death. So here's the summary here. Um, here's the key takeaways. Uh, copper has broad antimicrobial action against bacteria, fungi and viruses, all three. The alloy, so if you're looking for copper, if you're looking, hey, I wanna put uh, in my kitchen, I wanna have the doorknobs or those things made of copper, great idea. Make sure it's an alloy of copper. And the copper surfaces were more efficient again than you having to disinfect if you have people coming into your home, touching all your doorknobs, right? Uh, very, very valuable. Uh, more than, you know, always having to bleach them and wash them. I know in Massachusetts, there's some ruling that buildings have to, having to go disinfect the, the doorknobs, et cetera. Well, imagine having them with a the copper alloy. You don't have to do that. Now, the microorganisms, what's really cool is, here's probably one of the most important things. If you were to use a chemical or a vaccine or a virus, well, guess what? Those things mutate, okay? But when it comes to copper, what's really cool is, you'll notice the microorganisms are unlikely to develop resistance against coppers compared to antibiotics as copper attacks a broad range of targets in the microbes, right? So what copper is doing is it's generating those reactive oxygen species and those reactive oxygen species, it's like a multi-pronged attack. They can rupture the cell walls, 
they can inhibit uh, the microbial growth by shutting down the replication, the virus replication, and the degradation of the viral protein leads to the stopping of the viral replication, okay? And uh, the induction of cellular and genomic toxicity via oxidative stress uh, in, in the microbe also stops, you know, the, it basically destroys the genome of the virus. So it's very powerful. So in summary, you know, in my chart that I like to use, um, if you look at the four areas, copper hits all three. It, it doesn't stop the entry, but it, it affects the replication, it affects the membrane disruption, and it causes damage to the microbial proteins. There you go. So I hope that was valuable. Um, I can look at, if you have any questions, we can look at them. Um, someone says, someone says, is copper, uh, uh, let me go back here. Uh, it says, someone says in, in a surgical clear, uh, clear, semiconductor clean rooms, not sure if it would be problematic. I'm not sure what this is about. Let me go back here. Uh, let me go back here. Someone had a question here. Yes. So here's a question someone had. Uh, and bacteria develop uh, uh, immunity to chemicals over time. Exactly, Larry. So what's great with copper, it's creating those reactive oxygen species, which frankly, the thing doesn't know what to do with them because these are uh, ionic species that it's frankly very difficult for the bacteria, the virus to, you know, uh, to mutate to support those. Um, someone says, uh, do they have copper oil? That's an interesting question, uh, Jabari. Uh, remember, you have to be careful because copper, you know, it's very interesting. We'll talk about uh, what we call low dosages of copper, low dosages of silver. It's a whole art form. In traditional systems of Indian medicine, they had a thing called um, use of nanoparticle levels. In Siddha, they would use very low dosages of mercury, copper, silver. And these low dosages, the dosage has to be low, it has to be correct, can have the same positive effects that high dosages have the negative. So for example, very, very low doses of mercury, you can read, read about it, uh, can stop neurodegenerative disease. High doses, they create neurodegenerative diseases. So it's a very interesting balance point called hormesis. So when you say, do they have copper oil? We should check, but be careful about ingesting copper. Now you have to have a certain trace amount which is very valuable, but at high dosages, it can actually hurt you. As someone says, you don't want to get too much copper. Exactly. Um, yes. So someone's asking about prions. What about prions? Uh, William Vary. William, I'm going to do a whole, um, I'll do a whole talk on prions. Um, it's not viruses. It's particles that people are finding are precursors, but I'll do a whole thing. And it's hard to talk about it today, but I will do uh, one on prions by themselves. Colloidal silver, yes. So colloidal silver, people want to go see, go to my truthfreedomhealth.com website and you'll see I did a talk on colloidal silver. It's a very good talk. You can see it. It's right up there. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it on Facebook, but there is a talk we did on colloidal silver. It's up there. Um, What about copper toxicity? Good question. Uh, that's Lissy Deal. Yes. Yeah, so look, all of these chemicals, for that matter, any food, if food is medicine uh, and, you, and you really ascribe to that, then you have to be careful about taking anything in excess. That's why we need the right medicine for the right person at the right time. As I shared with you before, one of the things that I've done, the reason I created this tool called Your Body, Your System, 
this uses the traditional approach or an engineering systems approach where you can really uh, look at it here and you can find, first of all, what your body type is, okay? That's the red dot. How you've deviated from that and how particular chemical supplements can bring you back to you, but it's based on you. Now, one of the things that I'm gonna uh, start doing is people have asked for this. Um, we're gonna start offering an approach where people can, people said, hey, how much vitamin D should I take? So I'm gonna start building some tools, some digital calculators where you can start figuring out for you or you know, approximately for you, what's the range of right dosaging for you that we can do. We're gonna start opening it up. Uh, it's, a, it's a thing that I keep getting questions. I wanna develop some tools for you guys. So yes, so you have to be careful with all of these elements. Uh, B17, great, great question. Uh, we will do a whole talk on B17 if you want. It's one of the uh, B, B vitamins. Um, in fact, we can go through all the B vitamins. There's certain B vitamins that are good for certain functions like uh, B3, B6 are good for demyelination, but we can do a talk on each one of these vitamins if you want. Again, email me at vashiva at vashiva.com because I'm putting together my schedule of noon talks I'll do on all of these kinds of uh, uh, supplements or uh, unique ingredients. Okay. All right. Yes, we'll be, yeah, look, my goal here, cancer is a deficiency of B17. Yes. So there's been some, so if you want, we can do a talk on B17 and cancer. So when you, when you write to me, tell me, Hey, I want to know this particular ingredient and its effect on this function and we can do a video on it. Yeah, so this is uh, Roger Gopal Krishnamurti is writing from India. I assume he's from India or from the US. He's saying, we store water and copper vessels for drinking. So in closing, what I wanna uh, emphasize is when you're thinking about copper, think about it as something on contact that is a great way to kill viruses, bacteria, et cetera. Now at low dosages, we all need a certain amount of zinc and copper. They typically go together to support all sorts of molecular functions, independent of its contact effect. Anyway, I hope this was valuable. I hope uh, uh, if, uh, that you, you have ideas of what you want me to do. Keep them coming and we will uh, add to them. B12 and the brain, B12 and brain health, great thing. B3 and B6, uh, repair the myelin sheath. Particularly, yeah, so I'm gonna do a whole talk on myelination or demyelination. If you look at your nerves, if you look at a nerve, it's got the actual ability to conduct a, a signal, but around it is a myelin sheath. Well, that myelin sheath is like the insulation. If that insulation gets degraded, you start having all different kinds of disease from NMO, neuromyelitis optica, you know, uh, MS and all these things. But I believe many of these quote unquote diseases are really a deficiency of the nutrients that support myelination or, or remyelination, D3, the B vitamins, et cetera. And I wanna do a whole talk on this because what's happening, I believe in the medical world, they're diagnosing people with MS, for example, and it actually could be a deficiency in certain supplements or certain nutrients. Yes, yeah, someone said, can we connect on LinkedIn? Sure, you can connect me with on LinkedIn, but please send me an email at vashiva at vashiva.com. Anyway, I hope this was valuable. It was a pleasure for me doing this. And again, everyone tell all your friends that you have one of you as someone who actually works for a living, running for US Senate in Massachusetts, uh, let everyone know. Uh, if you're in Massachusetts, please sign up, go online, donate to the campaign. If you're outside of Massachusetts, the United States, support the campaign, volunteer, donate, whatever you can. 
And every time you support me, I want to support you with information, with knowledge. I want to give you the book, uh, System and Revolution, and your body, your system. Go out and do that. Help yourself. Let's win truth, freedom, and health. Thank you, everyone. Be the light. Let's keep up the fight. Thank you.